0: into Deep you Here's your hosts, Zach Dillard and Corey McCartney.
1: The Atlanta Braves took yet another series from the Washington Nationals to extend their NL East lead over the weekend, but it did come at a price as both Johan Camargo and Charlie Culberson suffered both what could be season-ending injuries. Johan Camargo has a fractured right shin. He is expected to be out two and a half to three weeks, but could very well miss the NLDS. And Charlie Culberson, of course, a very scary moment against the Nationals on Saturday, takes a fastball right off the face, and he will be out for the season as well. Sitting here in studios, as always, is Corey McCartney. I am Zach Dillard. Welcome back into another edition of the Chopcast. And Corey, certainly we, you know, hope the best for both of those players, but it does, with eleven games left in the postseason right around the corner, it does call into question this team's depth and what seemed like it could have been a much more of a strength for them this year. Now it's really being called into question, and what this postseason roster is going to look
0: like. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen this depth kind of whittle itself down, right? I mean, think about injured CiarTE going down, and then obviously that you know Rafael Ortega has come up, and then you have a Denny Hachvareya have to step in when Nasby Swanson, uh, you know, went down, and, and now here you are, you know, with your most versatile infield option is Austin Riley. And you, you've got Hechevarria for those middle spots. You've got Riley who can play the outfield. I mean, you went from having two super utility guys in Johan Camargo and Charlie Culberson to potentially having neither of them if Camargo isn't able to make it back. They set a, what, two-and-a-half to three-week timetable on him for that fractured shin that they're treating like a bruise. It's it's. I'm not saying it's a death knell. I mean, certainly this team's regulars can, can win a postseason series, but... Depth was an issue last year in the postseason. And, you know, without things really breaking this team's way uh, over the next week and a half, it, it feels as though depth is going to be an issue going into this postseason as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, it, you know, we don't want to rule Camargo out because we don't know. Um, but it does seem like a very aggressive timeline to say that he will be ready for the NLDS, not to say that it won't happen. Uh, Culberson is certainly out, and he has been uh really a a glue for that bench over the last few years of course he was pushed into starting duties last year when they did not have D'Ansby Swanson in the NLDS against the Dodgers now they will not have him around so when you look at this bench we're trying to just kind of piece together where they stand right now um it it certainly seems like a real plausibility even bef- real possibility even before uh, all these injuries that they were going to carry two catchers with Francisco Cervelli and Tyler Flowers, along with Brian McCann, uh, assuming he's the starter. Now you have what would appear to be a Danny Echevarria may be a lock for this postseason roster now because they don't have any other middle infielders. Uh, Camargo and Culberson were their backup middle infielders. Uh, Echeverria now seems like a very, very uh, solid candidate to make that make that spot. And then you have two other, assuming a five man bench, you have two other pieces that you need to find out of Austin Riley, Rafael Ortega, Billy Hamilton, Adam Duvall. Any other candidates that you would throw in there, or how how do you think that will come together among uh, those final two spots?
0: I mean, that's it, right? I mean, those are the only those are the only options. And, and you know, to me, Hatcheria was obviously a guy that that felt like he was going to be in the outside looking in. Um, Riley, I, I thought, was kind of fringe, You know, depending sure. on whether or not you you know, you know really believed in that 152 way to run creative plus against lefties that he has. If you you know wanted to utilize a platoon situation in the outfield there, obviously Duvall's really good against lefties, 217 way to run creative plus in the season. Um, we know Acuna, Matt Joyce, Nick Marquegas, that's your starting outfield. You know, I think at this point you have to consider that Billy Hamilton is very much in the mix now, too. I think they're going to carry more outfielders than they potentially would have if they had been at full strength. I mean, you Obviously, you could have used Culberson in the outfield. We've seen that happen many times. You could have used Camargo in the outfield. Um, Riley, to me, is, is, is as good of a lock as anybody now. I think Hechevarria and Riley feel like they're going to be part of this, and it's just how many outfielders around them are you going to carry? Is it going to be Duvall and Hamilton? Does Ortega now have a legit shot? I would believe because of how good they are against lefties, you're probably going to see uh, Duvall. Uh, and, and obviously he's a he's a you know, strong defensive player too. And then Hamilton just brings that factor of, of speed to the equation, and he can be that late game defensive replacement for you too. So to me, that's that. those are the guys. I would probably have Ortega outside of that, and, and that's probably the way my bench is looking.
1: Is the one caveat here – Ender and Yes,
0: I think that's Ender and Ciarte pulls Billy, Billy Hamilton out of any I agree. conversation. Uh, but you know, does he make it? Does, you don't need devolve then if you've, had, if you've got if you got So that's it, it's it's interesting that I I I think we're we're talking about a lot of aggressiveness and trying to get. Camargo and/or Enciarte back before the NLCS.
1: Yeah, you don't want to you don't call it wishful thinking, but it certainly is an optimistic well, take on much the time, break. Well, you rock. know,
0: we saw Marquegas come back from a seven week absence and go seven for twelve over the weekend. I do not anticipate if Ender and Enciarte were to come back tomorrow that he's going to go seven for twelve in a series against the Phillies and feel like he never left. I just don't think it's it's realistic to think without any option for these guys to go out and get rehab starts that you can expect them to be ready to roll in rhythm by the NLDS.
1: And we kind of joked about this because, you know, the team, based on record, based on performance, really didn't miss Nick Marquegas. They had the most wins in baseball when he was out, uh, the second-best winning percentage in all of baseball when he was out. And then clearly this weekend, especially with the injuries now, it really comes into focus how— uh, how nice it was just to get another regular back in the mix. And, of course, it's Nick Marcakis, and, you know, people have very, you know— Highs and lows. The highs and lows, but people have very uh, different perspectives of him. But I think just, like, the, clear, the, the clear-eyed the clear view of Nick Marcakis is that if there's a right-hander on the mound, he clearly helps this team. And I think we saw that again this weekend. I think he faced all righties. I don't think he faced a single lefty. Um, going into a series potentially against the nL central leading Cardinals whoever it may be when all these injuries happen i think it just throws into focus that when you get a guy like that back who who is a regular starter for this team uh that was a big boost for them because there was a there was a time that i think we thought that markcus would be back um even when he first went down but there was a time when it's like how much time is he gonna have left to you know get ready for the postseason how you know how how will he perform when he comes back from a wrist injury? Uh, does that really kind of shine a spotlight on um, him getting healthy and how much they needed that? Well, think
0: oh, So So, getting him back obviously did not force Ender and Ciarte to a position where he had to get back sooner than he wanted to. And you think about who they lost uh, you know, in the last week. If Marquegas wasn't back, what would that outfield look like right now?
1: You're probably looking at Duval O'Reilly going back. Back out there with Joyce and Acuna, sure.
0: And that's you know I know there's the expectation from Brian Snicker that Nick Marquez is an everyday player, and you know we you know we have our own on views uh, own views on a guy you know who who has very different numbers against a righties than he does against lefties. But certainly having a guy you know as you mentioned just an everyday kind of player out there, especially when your depth has taken this much of a hit, I mean it becomes that that much more of a factor now, and you know it, it's it's. We just don't know what's going to happen with Enciarte before this year's up. We don't know whether or not Camargo is going to get back. But again, I, I just it's, it, it's, it's rosy outlook to think that you're going to have either one, if not both of them, back in time for the division series. Every episode of ChopCast and ChopCast Live is exclusively outfitted by Baseballism. Stop by Baseballism Atlanta on Battery Avenue and mention Fox Sports South at any point during the 2019 season to receive a 10% discount. For both ChopCast and Baseballism, it's a baseball thing. And now, back to the show. You just mentioned
1: that you feel like Riley is getting closer to being a lock, especially with his versatility, being able to play first, being able to play third, as well as some corner outfield spots. Uh, Looking at, let's just start Riley versus Duvall, does that feel redundant having... Two guys that essentially hit lefties really well um, that are most likely going to be your corner outfield spots unless in a pinch, you know, Donaldson or Freeman, you know, gets injured in the NLDS. Um, do they feel redundant to power hitting
0: guys against left-handers? You could make that case. And and Joyce is over twenty percent above league average against lefties, too. So it's not as though you have to carry Duvall and you have to carry Riley because there's this version against lefties that's a better a better fit when Joyce is basically hitting he, righties. Yeah, he's far outperformed his career. Like, yeah.
1: He's in there to hit righties, but yes, he's actually, his splits aren't that bad this year.
0: Yeah, so if, if that's what it comes down to, I mean, does that, does Hamilton provide something that you don't get with Duvall and you don't get with Riley? That's what I'm getting at, right. You know, But at the same time, I mean, if you don't have Hamilton and you don't have Enciarte, what other options do you have in center field? That's the situation that we got to with Ortega having to come up because it was a matter of, okay, well, if something happens to Acuna, who's going to play center field? That's so, I mean, Hamilton may have to be a little bit more of a factor than what the numbers tell you. And maybe there is redundancy there with with Riley Duvall and having Joyce performing this well against lefty. So maybe you do have to go... With Hamilton uh, in that mix and leave Duvall on the outside because you know Riley at this point, as I mentioned from the out from the get the the start here, he has a you had Camargo and Culberson who are your most versatile players. Now, Austin Riley is your most versatile piece that you have in this entire lineup yeah. when you consider the ability to play two corner infield spots and you know a corner outfield spot as well. So. You know, maybe Duvall is on the outside looking in, but Hamilton, because of the fact that there's just nobody else, it, it, he may be the guy to back up Acuna there in center field. That's a really good point
1: because we are assuming that Echeveria makes the team because you don't want to be left in a bind without yeah. a middle infielder backup. Well, what hap- What happens? I, I mean, I I I struggle with this sometimes, especially when you look at like how the how the Dodgers were structured last year in the NLDS is that. You know how much do you, you know, try and put your best team out there for all sorts of situations, and how much do you put a team in the NLD, a roster in the NLDS that's just built for
0: emergencies?
1: You know, what yeah, I mean? well, like, I mean, that's the, the whole two catchers, sure. And the, it, you
0: know, that was that was carrying Rene Rivera last year, it, te- and definitely. that's you know, Culberson was this team's back. It was emer- this team's emergency catcher. If you're in a situation where you're starting Flowers or McCann, and you use the other ones in a pinch hitter. What are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do in a late situation if that guy gets hurt? Well, if you don't have Francisco Cervelli there, you had Elise Culberson before. Who, what, what's going to get you through? And we know that not this is not to, well, to Josh Donaldson
1: has caught some, as Dallas Kaikou was well, joking true. with him the other yeah. day. Josh
0: Donaldson did come up as a catcher. And this is not to his detriment at all, but that that's the way that Brian Snicker puts his roster together. Right, and he I has mean, that break of in case of emergency break glass.
1: Right, and and I know, I I think it's certain. There's certainly some value to that. I mean, there's certainly value from the sense of you know, it, you kind of need another middle infielder. Like you, you just, in my opinion, like that's the way we think. And you kind of need a backup catcher. Do you need two? I don't know if you need them, but at the same time. Unlike Rene Rivera, both Flowers and, and Francisco Cervelli provide potential pinch-hitting options. Yes. So, like, like, unlike Rene Rivera, who I don't think they had any plans of using at any time whatsoever, uh, unless, like, two one guy's been pinch-hit and another guy gets hurt, which, you know, what are the likelihood of that happening? Um, but I do think it calls into question even, like, the outfield situation with Billy Hamilton is, you know, you don't really have – anyone else. I mean, maybe if you carry Duval over Hamilton, you know, Duvall might slot into center field and perform. I mean okay. he can the guy can run. I mean, yeah, I mean have, you know he's a gold glove finalist. Like sure. he's put up defensive run saved, but um I think it's at least interesting to think about like how do you how does this front office approach constructing this roster in terms of like all right are are you just planning for if injuries happen or are you situationally you know, getting ready for pinch hitting options, for pinch running options, for defensive replacements. That's another thing I would throw out there for Billy Hamilton. If you have a one-run lead late in the game, you know, he's he's the guy that you could have potentially put out there for a guy like Matt Joyce or a Nick Markakis. I I don't know how they—I know how they've done it in the past, is that it seems like they're kind of, like, protecting themselves from injuries happening. But, again, like, when an injury happens in the NLDS, you do have the opportunity— that next day to replace him on the roster, so it's just for like a in-game situation that you would have to prepare for it. I don't, I, I don't know how much value I would throw into that.
0: And at the same time, I mean, if if it's Enciarte or you know Camargo that you end up falling back on in those injury situations, there, how much time do they even have to, right? To prep. I mean, this depth was a major weapon for this team all season long, and injury has one derailed it. And it's also made us question because there is no more minor league games to get a guy in and get him acclimated to playing again. How much is timing of all this going to be to this team's detriment?
1: I, again, I I think that they have been to a certain extent carried by their top four in this lineup. Uh, great pitching. I mean, that's, that's the one caveat here is like, we're just talking about the bench you know, not, you know, knock on wood, but you're 11 games out and you're still relatively healthy in terms of all of your stars. I think the only one that I would throw in there is that Inder and would probably be a starter on this playoff roster. Mm-hmm. Everyone else probably wouldn't. And, you know, that's not to diminish what Joan Camargo means or what uh, Charlie Culberson means to this team. But it is worth at least considering that as of right now, they are still relatively healthy. You know, they, they still have all of their horses. They've been carried by their pitching. And their top four. You're kind of hoping that Marquek is getting back in there, Danzi Swanson getting back in there. You get a little more at the back end of the lineup. But I will at least throw that out there that while this weekend may have felt like doom and gloom and certainly a super scary situation with yeah. Charlie Culberson, um, and you aren't really thinking about postseason rosters or anything in that moment, although Davey Martinez was apparently thinking about a ball or a strike um, or hit by a pitch or a strike, um, it, when you kind of step back, it's this is still a team that is healthy. They still have their pieces, but I don't want to, you know, feel like we're calling into question kind of like the nitty gritty roster, like the bench pieces, because even with all the injuries, does this bench seem like it's better than last year's bench?
0: Without question. But okay, so we're to, if we're looking at guys that aren't currently on the team that could be factors in the postseason roster decision. Between, basically, it's, it's Camargo and Enciarte. Which one of those is more important to get back before the NLDS? It's Camargo, right? Um, because of the the versatility, and that's taken a major hit. With Because you could still, you could carry Hecheveria and Camargo and then take away one of these outfield options right. that we're talking about.
1: I mean, I guess my big question is, is what version of both players? I mean, we've seen... We've seen Camargo get demoted. And he was We've fantastic
0: seen, before he got, before he yes, got hit by and, and he
1: kind of turned it on. Inder and was one of the worst everyday regulars in baseball in the first and half. He turned it on. He was fantastic in the second half. So, like, if you're getting second-half versions of those players, I think it's a really good argument in um, a really good debate between the two just because of, yes, Camargo provides the versatility, but Inder, you know, wraps up a premium position defensively that you can kind of move some stuff but around. But then,
0: again, at the same time, I mean, if you – if you have Camargo and you don't have Ender, then you've got to carry Billy Hamilton. Right. But then it's you Well, you have, yeah, I mean,
1: likely to, yeah. Yes. Um, I would say Ender because Camargo at the end of the day would still be a, a reserve piece for them. Whereas I think Ender, if he's second half Ender, um, especially against, again, assuming that, you know, we've been running on this assumption, but the Cubs Cardinals NL Central race is getting really close. But just to, just to say for now, the NL Central leading Cardinals, if that's the matchup, um, all righty rotation. Uh, having Ender and Ciarte against that, and starting in center field for you, I would probably lean Ender
0: because he's a starter. Yeah, but I guess I wonder if we're talking about the same situation with the catchers. If you roll Hesfaria out as a pinch hitter, and then Swanson or Albies gets something happens late in the game. Yeah, what do you do? You know, I mean, they're just going to be in a bad a way. way, and I, and again, I hate to to paint this everything from being like roster decisions made with the potential of what could happen late in the game, but you have to construct a postseason roster in that way in that moment, uh, making sure that you have right. depth and that you have options.
1: No, I and I, I definitely get that. That's just where I would lean, but I definitely. Uh, understand the you know the versatility that Camargo provides. I think I think one thing that I would say, and I kind of you know we just kind of talked about this a little bit. I guess in my uh, earlier spiel is that at the end of the day, they need their stars to perform in the postseason. Yes, like you need, and they didn't really get that last year. Aside from like Ronald's grand slam, uh, a couple guys out of the bullpen performed really well. Some of the young arms, um, I thought they got some uh, you know a decent outing from Fulton in Game Four. But like their stars didn't, you know, really show up. You know, Freddie hit the home, you know go ahead home run off Alex Wood. But like when you look back at that series, the offense went away, and no starter went out there and just dominated for seven eight innings. They are going to, I think, at any time at any time if you really want to beat a good team in the playoffs, it, it doesn't necessarily come down to bench construction. It comes down to like, do you, did your top players. Come through. Did you have some unsung heroes? But like, how did your best players perform? Because it's it's really difficult to win a playoff playoff series when like you know none of your top four hitters and none of your you know starters you know really show out. That's that to me just it's really tough to win a series. Yeah, I
0: mean, if Ozzy Albies hits two hundred with no extra base hits again in a postseason series, but I mean, by the way, we've talked a lot about how many innings he's played this year. Mm 26% 26% above league average in the second half of the season. has been fantastic. I mean,
1: he really has. Um, and, you know, I, I again, that top four, they need them to perform. And I'm not, like, trying to dismiss Swanson and Mark Akis. And um, certainly they have some more depth now that they're a little bit healthier. But they are going to need probably two or three really good starts. And they need, you know, some of those people. Not like the top four doesn't have to go off but you need your best pieces to perform in the postseason. And that's the one thing I will say with all this injury stuff is that I'm not sure how much it really affects whether they can win a postseason series or not for the first time since, what, 2001.
0: I agree. And, I mean, they have enough enough there in those guys to feel like that could carry you through. If, if, if postseason baseball in 2019 looks like regular season baseball in 2019 and it turns into a slugfest, this team is equipped yeah. to win in that situation. If it looks like we are norm- normally used to seeing postseason baseball and it becomes all about dominant starting pitching, they have the ability to win those kind of games too from the starts that we've seen from these guys over the last month.
1: yeah, when their guys show out. Yes. So I that I'm not trying to downplay – Margo and Culberson, who I think have been incredibly important, but I do feel like winning a division uh winning a bunch of games over the course of one hundred and sixty two games in the postseason, you're talking about two very different uh very different animals and um i I feel like as much as you know this bench takes a hit and it certainly limits the options of brian Stitker the the core my, at least my foundation for a playoff series win is that your best players show up and they play really well. And if you want to throw Swanson and Mark Akis and Brian McCann into that mix as well, sure. Um, they, need, they need their regulars to be healthy. They could certainly use, you know, one surprise piece coming back. But this bench is better than it was last year. The starting rotation is better than it was last year. The you know everyday lineup, the regular lineup that they can throw out there is better than it was last year. They just have to get to the postseason and perform. But I will say, I don't know how many more late season injuries they can afford.
0: We can get into this more on ChopCast Live this week, uh, and I'm kind of put you on the spot here a little bit on this one. But what's the concern level with Ron Lacuna Jr. and I? And I hate to go back to the game in which he was pulled for the effort, but when you go back to that game, August eighteenth on. And I'm not saying that and I know there's been people who have correlated that moment into the performance that we've seen out of him late, and I'm not doing that I'm not I'm just saying I'm using that as a jumping off point right hitting 188 291 366 so that's a 657 OPS since that moment four home runs what's the concern level there I mean in the 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 strikeouts have ratcheted up he has almost 40 strikeouts yeah. in that span I mean, where, where are you at Concern wise, they need him to
1: be better. And
0: do you think he's? I I don't think I I will say I've obviously not had this conversation with him. I've not grabbed Frank go and tried to have this conversation with him. I don't believe I don't I do not believe that that moment altered him in the course of the season at all. But with forty forty looming, I do wonder a little bit. Are you pressing?
1: There is there is you know that. I mean there's certainly the aggressiveness on the base paths. Um, I think certainly comes into play, Um, you know, trying to be a little too home run happy. I think we've seen that at times uh, from him. Uh, the strikeouts to me, and I, I, we talk about this on the broadcast a good bit. He misses on fastballs, like 92, 93 mile per hour fastballs in the zone that like he just typically doesn't miss on. And we've seen that in pockets and spurts this season, just like late on fastballs. And I don't know why that is. Um I feel like his plate discipline and I know people are going to you know freak out cuz he's going to have the franchise record for strikeouts but he spits on a lot of pitches and you know runs counts I think a lot better than he did last year um but to like he doesn't seem to punish fastballs quite as much in the zone this season um or at least when he's off and I'm not saying I mean clearly he's going to have uh, 40 home runs at some point this season I think um but they need him to be better. I mean, you can't. This is what I'm getting at for postseason is that you know you can have, you know, extended you know slow stretches, and I think almost everybody on this team has had one at some point, except for maybe maybe Freddie Freeman, and uh, I think Josh Donaldson's been about as consistent as you could ask
0: for. But um,
1: no, they need him to be better come postseason. Post. I mean, he's
0: There's still no he's still top eight in pitches per plate appearance. Yeah, so that, it's not as though isn't, he's not
1: hacking. No, 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 and that's what I'm getting yeah. at is like. Uh, Like, people, when they see the franchise record strikeout leader, this is not him looking lost at the plate. I I genuinely do not think that he's up there, you know, hacking, that he's up there with a bad approach. I just think he's missing on a couple pitches that traditionally he punishes. And if that were the case, we're talking about an 800 OPS. And it's going to look a lot different. But, you know, 11 games to play hasn't been as good. I'm not going to try and make a correlation with that moment.
0: No, I'm not um, either. I
1: disagreed with that moment sure. in, in certain ways, um, but I don't know. It's but it certainly has been cold. I think
0: it's just it's been a jumping off point for a lot of, a lot of conversations around him. And I and I do wonder it's the, though.
1: It's the, it's the inverse of Josh Donaldson getting into Oh, sure, it the Musgrove. <laughs> Joe Musgrove.
0: But has the last month cost him the MVP?
1: Oh, yes. The they're that's over.
0: I mean, him. But he's but forty forty still gets him top three right. I
1: think forty forty gets him three or four depending on how people judge Yelich, um, in terms of after his injury. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to. I think he's going to be top five uh, for sure. Uh, forty forty, I think, does get him in that top three mix. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think very clearly, Bellinger, Yelich, and Rendon didn't let off the gas. Yep. And him and Freeman and Donaldson, as good as they've been throughout the year,
0: I mean um, that could be four, five, six, and it could be, like, be okay.
1: It, it could you be. Know, I mean, yeah. I'd throw uh, Cattell Marte into. Yeah, that yeah, mix Marte's as well, been, been um, unbelievable, but very under the radar for yeah. him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they have a, a shot at the MVP. I'd agree with that. My thing was when he got hot, it was like okay, like if he could do this for the final two months, we'll see. But they also he also needed a slump, or unfortunately in Yelich's case, an injury. And Bellinger never really let off the gas, and Rendon has been better than all three of them too.
0: Yeah, and I, the thing that I, I guess I the I don't say alarming, but the thing that I've has been frustrating with Acuna during this stretch is like there's not one aspect of the game that's still going well. Right. It's not like okay, well, you know what, the guy's got a, he's hitting 188, but he's stolen 12 bags in the last 25 games. He's gotten caught. Three out of the ten times that he's tried to steal, you know the powers.
1: I think I think defensively he's playing a lot better uh, than he was at the first part of the. Yeah, season. I
0: mean, but at the same time he's been better defensively, but he's also been more aggressive defensively, and I think you've seen, you know, like the uh, when the Dodgers were here and he almost robbed Bellinger, Bellinger. and you know then the drop against. The Phillies. that ends up, you know, with the – There's Jeez, just li- there's just little can't. moments. But you you. But at the same time, like he, o- we
1: only punish the yes. absolute athletic phenomenons yes. for and that because no other player no. would make those plays. And
0: you wouldn't be able to perform the spectacular right. without being put in those situations where sometimes it backfires.
1: That and I, I think that we unfairly, like we unfairly punish him for. Just missing. I think he's just missed on like six home run
0: robbers. So Friday night when Marquez is back and he makes the sliding catch, if Acuna makes that catch, it's just it's a ho. It's just a catch, you know. But I'm saying
1: allow a ball to skirt by him later on in that game.
0: Yes. Well, he tried to make the same uh, similar play, and the ball got past him. him.
1: What would we have highlighted more for Acuna?
0: The miss. we talked
1: about the catch, which we expect of him. Yeah. The miss. Well, is... so
0: think about earlier in the season where he had a play where he kind of dove, and then he got talked to after that inning by Eric Young Sr. And the message was, "You run through that ball. Right. You don't let off and dive for that ball." But Marquise is in a different end because he's an older guy and doesn't have the same closing speed. Right. That we just he's so gifted. We just yes. expect the the fantastic a, every we, time.
1: It is a different level of expectation. Yes. And. We are not as impressed by what he makes look normal. We are disappointed when he can't, you know, finish up the spectacular. That is just like the nature of being a twenty one year old phenomenon that's one of the most gifted players in the game. Well, I mean and the same conversation. The like, same
0: conversation's happened in the last twenty four hours wondering if Mike Trout's gonna lose the AL MVP which because is he's missing a week and a an half. <laughs> because he can't get to forty seven home runs to beat Troy Glaus's Angels record. Oh yeah. He, you know, because yeah, it's I don't know. It, we just have we just have these very weird conversations where we knock guys because of their of how special they are.
1: Yeah. No. I I actually, I absolutely uh, buy into that, and it's frustrating at times, especially for us. I mean, we're cutting the highlights. We want him to pull off those plays, and it's frustrating when he drops it. And then Scott Kingery goes all the way around the base pass. That was a that was a just a really interesting. A uh, weird highlight, but um, I do feel like he's been better defensively on the whole when than when he first got out to center field this year. Yeah, um, even like the Statcast numbers would back that up. I think he was like negative three outs above average for a while. Like he was pretty, uh, he was pretty far down there. So I, the I, defense is there. I even getting caught three times. Like he's a he's a menace on the base paths but the bat needs to be better in the postseason. actually I absolutely agree with you.
0: Yeah, and I and I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I do wonder had Ender not gotten hurt if we would have seen this growth from a dif- defensive standpoint from him or if he was thrust into a position where he had to get better defensively.
1: That that is 100% fair to assume that, you know, when you're in left field it's a little bit different. Um and even when he was out in right field, you know, gunning down two uh, Toronto Blue Jays players in yeah. the same game, I mean, he's he's been able to move everywhere, and I think that really ups his versatility moving yep. forward in his career. Um, the one thing I would throw out there is, if Ender doesn't get hurt, what do Ronald Cunha Jr.'s offensive numbers look like in terms of like when he doesn't have that center field responsibility? That's true. Um, you know, what does that does it take it out of him? I don't think so. I mean clearly he's on a yeah. 40 pace. Yeah. yeah. But um it 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 has been frustrating though, I think, for, for Atlanta because like um they've gotten great pitching. It seems like a lot of things have fallen into place. He's got eleven games that jump out of a slump before he needs to do it in the postseason. Yep,
0: and yeah. And when you look at the top end of that lineup then that's the one guy. Yeah. But it's funny, I mean we I think if you would have had this conversation in April, and you would have said, "Who, are you, who is going to need to pick it up in the second half?" And you looked at last year; you would have thought it would have been Ozzy Albies, the guy who's hitting twenty six percent above the average in the second half.
1: Yeah, they they would absolutely take that. And again, I'm usually the I'm usually the person that gets very frustrated when people are like, "Oh man, Acuna's last ten games, he's been bad." I'm like, we don't do that with any other player. Like, looking at small sample sizes, but it has been about a month mm-hmm. now of him not being quite right. I think you mentioned, what, four home runs in the last month?
0: Yeah, and he's um, only got he's got nine extra base hits in yeah. that span, four doubles and a triple to go with the four homers. Right, so I
1: think there's a lot there at the plate. Uh, we just haven't seen the damage quite as much. And uh, whatever that needs to happen over the next uh, 11 games, we'll see if that can come into play. For everything else, you can find this podcast always on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud. He's Corey McCartney. I'm Zach Dillard. You can find all of our work at Fox Sports Braves and at foxsportsouth.com. See you guys in next time.